Welcome to TVN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you'll hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's show, Matt and Lori Crouch host author and pastor Jensen Franklin. They discuss what to do when you're in a season of life that seems empty and meaningless and how you can discover God's best right where you are. From Southern California, we are all one hour with Jensen Franklin. And I, right before we started, I said, when did we meet? Now we got to figure this out. Put a gown on the spot. Yeah, it was, you you were brought into my office at the Dream Center by Tommy Barnett. That's true. Okay, that was about 97, 98, 99. Yeah, I, I had been on TBN for about a year just doing music. Okay. Um, Jan had asked me, your mother had asked me to do my first show in Dallas, Texas with your dad and your mom and the, and the guest speaker that night, because I rode over in the car with him was T.D. Jakes. Oh my goodness. I'd never met him. I'd never heard of him. That had to be a sweet night. You and T.D. Jakes. He was the nicest guy. I met him in the lobby of the hotel. You know, they had a hotel that put their guest in and I met him in the lobby and he had on alligator shoes. I instantly knew he was a preacher. And he looked, and he looked like a preacher. And boy, he did he preach! preach. Yeah. We've never had such a praise of the Lord that night. Was I think un- history has unfolded, and he is a preacher. I'm pretty sure. Um, so, Jensen, <laughs> we have decided tonight we're going to just kind of chat and enjoy this time. Is that okay with you? It's perfect. You're going to kind of play your saxophone a little bit, but you no know, at, at some point. <laughs> It feels, we were talking back in the back that, that in a season like this, there's this heightened sense that we're supposed to all perform or that we're supposed to say something. Well, guess what? You know, we're experiencing this pandemic COVID-19 thing along with you. Exactly and, right. and we're going to, let's change the narrative tonight a little bit. Let's start with, um, where, do you, where do you want to start? I mean, at some point, what do you want to what do you want to talk about? Well, I see. I think I think you put your finger on it. Is uh, we're all in. We're all going through the same thing. We all have the same questions. We all are wondering what is normal going to be like again, or is it going to ever be the same again? Um, I personally have felt days of should I say this publicly of, of depression, mm. days of uh, a little bit of. Uh, anxiety, worry a little bit, you know, and, and, and then, then other days, you know, just being with your family and realizing all the things and relationships, the challenges in relationships, there are, there's a lot that people are dealing with. One, one thing that happens to me, and I don't know, I may be unique in this, but since we're just being open and honest, Every time I, I usually take off a month in uh, three weeks, three weeks for a little sabbatical every year. And every time I do that, toward the end of it, I feel tremendous anxiety when I realize I'm going back. My goodness. I realize because I'm so out of the, um, the flow of getting sermons and study and, and habits that I normally do. Hmm. that my my routine has been so interrupted that wow. it causes a tremendous pressure to build in me about that comeback Sunday. Oh my God. I feel like I've got to have some great message. Yeah. We've got to have the greatest service. We've got to, and, and I feel a little bit of that now for some reason building. 
Hmm. And, um, and I think p- probably business people are feeling that. Uh, people, you know, uh, who are watching this program. And I think it's okay. It's okay to admit that Christianity does not mean that you don't have feelings of anxiety and fear and worry. I'm afraid of super spiritual Christians who all they do is, and I I believe the word, I quote the word, but sometimes I need a minute to feel what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, sometimes you got to get it out before you can get over it. Right. And, and I think sometimes we're real good in Christianity and Christians sometimes in uh, pretending that things don't bother us, that things don't, mo- that they don't concern us because we're such giants of faith. Mm. But I'm telling you, you just live long enough. You just live long enough. There will come things into your life, storms into your life that will shake you to the core. And in those moments, you find out, I don't always have to be strong. Mm -hmm. I don't always have to have the answer. I don't always have to, um, you know, be the answer to everybody who's hurting out there. But sometimes they just need to know that I'm feeling it too. Yeah. That I'm I'm afraid some too. What comes to mind when you talk like that, Jensen, is, is the fact that Jesus declares himself that he will be your strength in your weakness. So, you know, at some point, what do we, we are nothing apart from him. And so the idea that we allow ourselves to articulate concerns and, and fears and this and that, but you know, all that God's doing is, is asking a question. It feels like life is just a big question. Who do you say that I am now? Hmm. So I think COVID-19 is a big question to the body of Christ. Who do you say that I am? You know, our economy was as big as it has ever been ever. And then all of a sudden the world's brought to its knees by an invisible pandemic virus that comes out of some place we'd never heard of in China. And, and life is completely different. And he's asking you the same question again. Who do you say that I am? I think he is too. And, and you just said something that I think is so powerful. You know, it's, we all have our plates full hmm. of life. It's, it's something all the time. And then what got us this time was not the problems that we're dealing with that we see. Hmm. But none of us saw this one coming. Nobody. Yeah. It's kind of like David in, in uh, 2 Samuel, uh, I think it's 1 Samuel 20, actually, when his house was burned down by the Amalekites mm. and his family was kidnapped and his wealth was stolen. All of, he, he was literally on a winning streak. He had 600 mighty men and they were winning, winning, winning for, for three months on a campaign. Every city they attacked, they took all the treasure, all the winning, 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 winning. He never thought that when he got home, he, he didn't see it coming. And his house is burned, his children are kidnapped, his wife is kidnapped, his wealth is gone all in one day. And then to make things worse, everybody is in the same thing. All of his mighty men were in the same situation. The Bible said they all begin to weep. Wow. You're talking about guys that could kill, the Bible said in 2 Samuel 23, some of those mighty men could kill 600 men single-handed. One guy killed 1,000 people. 
and, and, and yet they're weeping, which tells me it's okay. It's mm. okay to feel down. It's okay to feel as long as you don't stay there, yeah. as long as you don't give in to that. But I do think we have to take a moment and, and realize that when that happens, he goes and he says, and I love this verse. So his, his own guys got so discouraged that they turned on him. The Bible said they were so grieved that they had lost their families and homes that the mighty men talked of stoning him. And isn't that what we do when we get in a crisis? We look for somebody to blame. Wow. We want to blame the president. We want to blame the Democrats. We want to blame the Republicans. We want to blame the doctors missing the forecast, whatever. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. What? I, I want to ask this question when I read that story. What good would stoning David do? Yeah. Is that going to solve your problem? And be careful. The Bible said that the men, uh, his mighty men were grieved. The word grieved means bitter. Wow. When you allow bitter people into your life, it's a matter of time before you become their target. Anytime you allow a bunch of bitter people yeah. into your Lord life, Jesus. they may be hitting somebody yeah. else right now, but it's a matter of time wow. before a bitter spirit will turn on you because it's always got to blame somebody. But here's the, here's the whole turning point. The Bible said they wept until they could not weep anymore. And I love that word until. <laughs> they wept until. You have to have an until moment. Mm. I've cried all I'm going to cry over this. I've worried all I'm going to worry over this. I've sent the last text trying to get it worked out. I've, I've reached my until moment. Mm. And the Bible said, and David encouraged yes. himself in the Lord. <laughs> you know why he encouraged himself? Because he didn't have anybody, anybody else. else. Everyone else was right, mad at him. Sometimes you have to. But he encouraged yeah. himself in the Lord his God. Mm. Isn't that, isn't that strong? Oh, sweet. Isn't, isn't that a word yeah. in season? Beautiful. That it, some, you know, sometimes your wife can't <laughs> do your praising for you. Sometimes your mama can't do your praying for you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes your, 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 your prayer partner that you call for your prayer, they can't be there for you. Mm. The choir's not there for me anymore <laughs> to, to lift my spirit. The, the, nobody's there. But not because they don't care, but because we're all in this together. Yeah. But in those moments, and I tell you, this is the biggest, maybe the biggest thing that people can learn from this crisis is you need to learn how to encourage yourself. Yeah. You need to learn how to read the Bible for yourself. You need to learn how to preach to your children for yourself. So good. You need to learn how to worship in your home yeah. for yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you know that in the book of Acts, the word church is mentioned 19 times, ecclesia, church. My goodness. But home or homes is mentioned 39 times. More miracles by far happened in people's homes than ever happened in a synagogue or a church. And the book of Acts started with mighty moves of God in people's homes. And so that story that I was just referring to when David encouraged himself in the Lord because God can't use gripers. Mm -hmm. God can't use complainers. Y you know, God can use sinners. <laughs> I really feel the Lord's in what I'm about on, to say. <laughs> I hear the Lord now. God can use sinners. God can use failures, but he cannot use quitters. My goodness. 
You cannot quit now. You cannot give up on your dream and on your call and on your purpose now because the house has been burned and stuff has been taken and the wealth is dissipating and your future feels uncertain. Mm. The Bible said when he encouraged himself in the Lord. How do you do that? You need to rehearse the past victories in your life. You need to remember you're under divine protection. Mm-hmm. And you need, to re- you need to rethink who your God is. He's able and He's with us. And the Bible said the word of the Lord came to him and said, pursue, get up and go after it and pursue for you shall recover it all. And it leaves these little words in there and spoils besides. I don't believe that we're just going to break even. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that we as a nation, America, nor you as a ministry or as a business person are just going to uh, get back maybe close to where you were. But I'm claiming that scripture for everybody watching this program. More than hype, more than preaching his sermon, it became alive to me, those words. The key to it is he had to encourage himself in the Lord, his God. And when he did... The scripture said that he pursued and he recovered it all and spoils besides. Right in the middle of this pandemic, God, I believe, is going to set people up to bless them even greater than where they were before. You're going to get back what the enemy has stolen and spoils besides. I believe that for TBN. Thank you, Lord. I believe that for this ministry, that even in the midst of everything that's going on, God says, I am going to expand, enlarge your territory. Thank you, Lord. And it's happening. I think it's happening for many people. And one of the keys is just to learn to uh, encourage yourself in the Lord. I love that. How would somebody do that? Help us. Walk us through that. Well, for me, I preach to myself sometimes. Mm -hmm. You got to learn to preach to yourself. I say three things to myself when I'm in my most discouraging moments. Number one, I remind myself Jesus is with me. And he has all power. Mm -hmm. He's with me right now on this set. He's with me this very moment in, in your house, in that room, in your apartment. Jesus is with me. Sometimes I'll look in the mirror when I'm feeling the weight of a sermon I'm about to preach or some pressure situation. And I'll remind, I I have to preach to a lot of people, but I've learned to preach to myself. There you go. And what I say is three things. Number one, I say, I say, Jesus is with me and he has all power. Number two, In Deuteronomy 33, when Moses was giving his final, it was a beautiful moment, his final farewell sermon to the children of Israel. They're about to cross over, and he's not going to get to go with them. He's going to stay at Mount Nebo. And he gives this beautiful sermon. And he says, our God is a God of of the mountains. And he starts naming the mountains and the peaks where God did this and where Abraham on a mountain offered and how uh, offered Isaac and how the Ten Commandments were given on a mountain. He starts naming all the blessings. He, He says he rides the high places. He's bragging, the God of the mountains. And then it's almost like in the middle, if you read it, 
right in the middle. It's like he does a shift and he says, I've got to remind people because I don't want them to think that if they are with walking with God, it'll always be a mountaintop. Mm. Then he throws this verse in there. Our God, the eternal refuge is our God. And then it says these words, and underneath us mm. are the everlasting arms. Mm. Underneath is, is a word, uh, taka in Hebrew, which means at the bottom. So here's the thing I preach when I look in the mirror. I preach, number one, Jesus is with you, Jensen. Jesus is with you. I don't care what you're facing. Jesus is with you. And number two, God is at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Underneath me, I don't care how far I go down, if I look around down there somewhere at rock bottom, you may have hit as low, you may have gone as deep into despair and depression as you can go. But once you hit, the Bible said underneath, as low as you can go, underneath, underneath my family, underneath my marriage, underneath my children, underneath my ministry, underneath my future, when it seems like it's at the lowest point, underneath it all are the everlasting arms of God. Thank you, Lord. So I preach to myself, Jensen, Jesus is with you. Jensen, God is at the bottom. Somebody needs to hear that. Yeah. God is at the bottom. He's not just Lord of the mountains. He's not just God of the mountains. He's Lord of the valley. He even told one people he was going to give them victory because his enemy said their God is just the God of the mountains. Mm -hmm. But he said, I'm the God of the valleys and I want you to go fight them in that valley and I'm going to show them that I can give miracles in valleys. And then the last thing that I tell myself, preach to myself, is Romans says, I think it's the 12th chapter that says, God has given to every man the measure of faith. the measure. In other words, anything you face in life, God has given you enough faith to overcome that situation. Mm -hmm. And so I say to myself, I preach to myself, Jesus is with me. God is at the bottom. And here's a big one. I have faith for this. Mm -hmm. I have faith for this. He gave me the measure of faith. You got a bad doctor's report, cancer, whatever. I have faith for this. Talk to it. Talk to it. Preach back at it. I have faith for this. Got a financial challenge? I have faith for this. In crazy times, precarious times as a nation and as business people, but I have faith for this. Faith is important. Yeah. That's why Jesus, can, can I keep going a minute? I yes. feel this. Come on do, do, you know, do you know why faith is important? Think about this. Jesus said to Peter, you are being singled out by Satan himself. He's going to sift you. He's coming after you. And he didn't say, he said, notice what Jesus said to him, and I have prayed for you. Mm -hmm. And what did he pray? What did he pray? Did he pray his finances would be at an all-time high? Did he pray that he would have smooth sailing and no problems and a wonderful, beautiful life, pressure-free? No. He prayed one prayer. He said, I prayed that your faith fail not. Because if I lose the house, if I lose the job, if I lose this and that and the other, and I still have faith, Thank you. I will recover. I will recover. And the other thing is it just takes a little bit of faith. 
size of a mustard seed. You know why? Do you know why uh, David went out and he had five rocks instead of one? He was only fighting one giant. Why did he take five? I don't know. In case he missed. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes, sometimes Sometimes. the, the real thing the Lord spoke to me about that was, I never send you into a battle without more than enough. (laughs) I'll never send you with just enough to meet that need. But when I send you, when when you're going in my name, where I tell you to go and facing the giant that I call you to face, then you can know that you already have more than enough. What is it? What have I got more than enough? Faith. So I preach, Jesus is with me. God is at the bottom. I remind myself, God is at the bottom. And then I say, I have faith for this. I have faith for these times. You do too. You do too for every crisis that you're facing, for every situation that you're dealing with in your home, in your family, in your life. We have faith for this. Pray for the folks that are just... Jesus, I feel your presence right now. And I do lean on that. I do look to you. And so many people right now could say what Jehoshaphat said, that we have, no, we have no might against this enemy. We have no might, but our eyes are upon you. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would release your power into every home watching this. Bring encouragement. Somebody needs to encourage themselves in the Lord this very day. He's speaking to you and he's telling you, I'm with you. He's telling you that, I, that, that I'm at the bottom. I know you've had some setbacks, but God is at the bottom. And you have faith for this. And you're going to overcome. You're going to recover it all in spoils besides. That's not just positive, wishful thinking. That's the word of the Lord for such a time as this. And it's time to stir that faith up. And Lord, I just agree right now. If there's a backslider, if there's somebody watching right now that needs help with an addiction, needs deliverance, needs to see a son or a daughter saved, oh God, if somebody's searching, flipping the channels, may they turn to you. May they know you're real. And I would just say to you, even if you don't, you aren't convinced about all this Jesus stuff, just say, Jesus, if you're real, Show me who you are. The moment you do, he'll begin a series of miracles in your life and your eyes will be open to who Jesus is in 2020, right in the middle of a pandemic. Thank you, Lord. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. We're sitting with an old friend. Jensen Franklin, we met back in the 90s. We can't remember, it's so long ago, we can't remember when it was. But, you know, this is, this is um, a conversation in, in, at the right time. Um, this is what needed to happen. This pandemic that we're all kind of dealing with. But we're just sitting here having a beautiful conversation and I appreciate you being here. Uh, in addition... Uh, you brought your band. I did. Part of your band. I did. So back up a touch. In case people only get to see your broadcast, you're a musician. I am. Okay. So did music come first and then preaching or 
So you were a musician first? I was. My mother, who my dad was a preacher, and my mother was his worship leader. She played the organ. And she made all of her five children learn a musical instrument. We didn't have a choice. You could pick which one you wanted to play, but you had to play something. And we started when we were about uh, 12 years of age. Where was this? This would, um, what do you mean, where? Where? where oh, in, where, Henderson, where? in Henderson, North Carolina. Henderson, North Carolina. Henderson, okay, so North you, Carolina. your daddy pastored in Henderson? He did. Okay, what kind of church was he pastoring? He was pastoring a church of God, Pentecostal okay. church, a little okay. Pentecostal church that ran about 120 people. Okay. And that's where I uh, got my first saxophone and, and started playing in the band and played and learned how to Play the horn. Did you ever take official lessons, or you yeah. just kind of? Yeah, I okay, did. So. In in band in school. Okay. All right. And uh, and so I played I in that. You to play like that in school. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I, uh, it's one of my favorite things he does. <laughs> well, thank you. The saxophone. Yeah, um, you know, music has just been a lifesaver for yeah. me. Mm. I mentioned in my new book, um, I tell the story of of uh, how I went through my senior year, a deal where I had. Uh, bulls from a blood situation come all over my body, basically had to drop out of school and do homeschool my senior year. And I went from being popular to nobody and no friends. And I had bulls from the top of my head all over my body. It was the most painful, awful. I looked like a freak. I looked like my eyes would swell, my nose, my lips, my mouth, my neck, all the way down. And in those times, I would go over to my dad's church. And, and I had to go to school some. And at times, I would wear a big coat. It was so embarrassing, so humiliating that I would go to school, and kids can be cruel. And I would sometimes skip school because I was really broke out bad. And I would go uh, to that church. I had a key to my dad's church, and I would get in that church and get up under the sound booth up in the balcony. They used to put the sound booth in the balcony. And I would lay under there and I would listen to preaching and listen to music. And then I would go down and I would play my horn and play the piano. And that's where in that one summer, that through that year, it lasted for a solid year. It went from doctor to doctor. They couldn't do anything. But in that time is when I started really playing, really practicing, really mm -hmm. applying, and really learning how to encourage myself. Mm -hmm. My ministry came to this day when I preach. I remember that, that, you know, it doesn't sound like a big deal when you're 57 years old, but when you're, when you're 17 years old, and you have, you've gone from being a regular popular kid, but I look at it now and it's one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave me was to hide me under that sound booth for weeks and weeks and months. At the bottom. And when, exactly, <laughs> and when I preach now, to this day, my mind goes back to those moments where I felt, I, I, I became... I wouldn't go in public. I would, um, I would notice lighting in a room before I would walk in, and I was so ashamed and so embarrassed. And so now when I see a kid or when I see somebody who doesn't have the clothes or I see somebody who my heart instantly goes to that person because that was me. And I, and I thought it was a joke that God would call me to preach because he called me right before 
uh, I went through this and I thought, I'll never stand before people. I'll never, I would never come in and be on a show in the condition I was in. But God was giving me, teaching me something through that, that it would sometimes to this day when I sing a song or I play a song, I'm not where I am. I go back. My God. I go back to those days where the enemy whispered, demons whispered. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. Kill yourself. Take your life. And it, sound, it sounds, but, but to a 17-year-old, when you, you know, it's one thing when it's a week, a month, three months, six months. You go through something that, that's kind of like this, this mm. situation we're in. You know, enough is enough. Yeah. David said, how long, O Lord? Have you ever been in a situation like that where you said, how long, O Lord? Somebody's been crying out. Yeah. How long is my child going to be in this condition, be an addict? Be, how long am I going to have these issues? How long? But I promise you, God is at the bottom. Jesus is with you and you have faith for this. But when I worship, I find myself, sometimes I'd spend the night in the church, literally sleep on the pews, my, and, and I play piano also, and I'd just play and sing. And out of that uh, worship came my ministry. So how many people are going through that right now? Yeah. That out of this moment, out of this time, Hallelujah. the bottom of your rope is where Jesus' office is. <laughs> you know, how many will... <laughs> will is sparking ministry all over people this world. People look at right you too, and you're, you're a beautiful couple and all that, but they think you've got a perfect life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they think that it's just showing up and doing TV and, mm -hmm. and all of that, and they have no clue that I love what you started out saying that we're all in, we're all in the same situations, <laughs> and we've got to learn. We've got to learn how to, how to just lean on Jesus, lean on the Lord. But I think what you said was so powerful is if you don't quit, you can't mm. quit. Come on. That's what you said. He, he can't use a quitter, someone wow. that just gives up. Can't give up. Because if you give up on yourself, you give up on God. Marcus Luttrell uh, wrote a book called The Lone Survivor. I don't know if you've read it. It's pretty amazing. He's the guy that was uh, the Navy SEAL. Yeah. Mm. And, he, he, and they did a movie called The Lone Survivor, and I'll sum this up, but it's really powerful because the whole first part of the book, all he does is talks about how brutal the training is to become a Navy SEAL. It actually takes months of preparation just to qualify to try out for Navy SEAL. I mean, it's months and months of strenuous things that would break almost anybody. And then comes what they call Hell Week. Mm -hmm. And it is exactly what it is. I mean, it is brutal. And this is what he says, bottom line in the book. He says, the instructors are putting more and more and more on you for one reason. It's not to break you physically, but to break you mentally. Mm -hmm. and, and so what they do is they set up a bail, on a, you know, like an old-fashioned bail on a stand. And at any moment when you've had all that you can take, all you have to do after you've car carried the logs and been in the freezing water, and you know, they just train down the road down here. You can go watch them sometime. And it's unbelievable. Hours and hours, no sleep. Hell week is just unbelievable. And at any moment that you decide, I can't take it anymore, all you have to do is walk over, don't say a word, take the rope on that bell and, and just ring the bell. It's called the quit option. Mm. And what I want to do right now is challenge everybody to remove the quit option. There you go. Mm -hmm. 
It's time to remove the quit option and say, you know what? I don't know what the future holds, but Jesus is with me. God is at the bottom. I have faith for this. And everything you're believing for is on the other side of not giving up. Yeah. Mm. Don't you quit now. Now is not... Listen, the, the Bible in uh, um, Ecclesiastes 3 has 28 seasons. A time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to dance, a time to mourn. One season you'll never find in there a time to quit. My goodness. There's never a right time to quit. Hold on. Worship your way through. Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. So when you play, and I want you guys to get up and get your thing and do I'm it. Oh, grab my horn. Yeah, yeah, yeah grab it. it. But but at some point, what it feels like you've described and what I fully understand now, when you're playing, you're playing to the younger you out from underneath that audio board in your dad's church, thinking that your life in essence almost was over. Right. Called to preach, but not able to. Right. And so music, music's not, not something you just do. Music is part of who you are. Yeah. I, I, he said he teaches my hands to war and my fingers to fight. That's what David said. He was a musician. And he said he teaches my hands to war. When I, when I, he played harp. Mm-hmm. string guitar. But when we play, the Bible tells us that it's kind of like, um, and when he would play, the Bible said that Saul, who was mentally oppressed by unclean spirits, tormenting spirits, that when he would play his harp, the scripture said that the evil spirits would depart from Saul My God. and leave his house. It actually says that. Do you know that that's why it's powerful to watch Christian TV like TVN right now is because when an anointed song or anointed word comes, it can drive the enemy out of your home. Things that drive devils crazy. I preached a sermon one time on things that drive devils crazy. And one of them is fasting and prayer and one of them is worship. Because he can't deal, when, when they begin to sing in the middle of the battle, Jehoshaphat, sing his mercy is good, the enemy turned on each other. They went crazy. And there's something about anointed worship that can bring deliverance and help to Let's your do life. It. Uh, we've got a few minutes left in the broadcast now, Jensen. So um, we, we've done exactly what we hope to do. But just kind of give, give, give us a little bit of a thing and either get to my tribute or, or uh, you know, how much time do we have left? Got about seven minutes. Well, I'm just thankful for friends. I'm thankful for people who care about me. I'm thankful that I do have uh, friends like you guys that I know, you know, you care. And that means a lot. And I think one of the things that we can learn from this is there are 60 one another commandments in the Bible. It says 60 times in your Bible, commandments like love one another, Mm -hmm. comfort one another. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, pray for one another. And I think if one thing is happening that's beautiful, and I I tell you, it really is, is people are taking serious the fact that, that I can make a difference. Not just a preacher on TV, not just my pastor in his pulpit with a lot of people, but I have a ministry. I can check up on somebody. I can call somebody. I can reach out to somebody. I can love somebody. 
And I don't know what church is going to look like. I was talking with a bunch of preachers the other day on, on the telephone, very famous, known preachers, and nobody, uh, nobody knows what the future is going to look like for the church for a long time. But I'll tell you one thing that I'm planning for, hoping for, praying for, may or may not. If it does, then I can pretend like I'm a prophet. <laughs> and, you know, we hit, the, we hit the peak of this coronavirus right in the middle of Holy Week, Easter, which is Passover in the Thank Old the Testament. Lord. Of course, we know that was the week that Jesus was crucified and rose again. And that was the peak of it in our nation. I'm believing for the church to have some kind of rebirth. Beautiful. Beautiful. That God could, you know, give us a, a chance to assemble again in some whatever it looks like. And uh, I'll tell you one thing, I'll never take it for granted again. Will you? Going no. to church, no. sitting with God's people. It's unbelievable. Worshiping together, hugging necks, shaking hands. Seriously. Um, <laughs> I was sad when they said unto me, we can't go to the house of the Lord. But I'm sure thankful for ministries like this that take church into homes. What would we do without ministries like this? And you mentioned it. This network, Paul and Jan, and now Matt and Lori, have been so faithful to preach Jesus Christ you, to the world for decades and I'm so, I'm so moved by that that I've had a tiny part in that. I don't belong here. I don't belong here. Oh, I'm not, we would not be I don't belong here, <laughs> but your family was kind to me. You were kind to me. After Jan saw me play the horn, she never would let me preach. I, I kind of had a little offense against her. I had to admit it. But, but you, uh, you were responsible for the first time me getting to preach on TBN on a regular uh, series. I, I came and met with you in Dallas. You know, uh, Jensen, it just, this program has such a sweet feel to it. it. It not only conjures up the days when my mom and daddy would sit with Evie Hill or they would sit and they would just mm. share, you've encouraged us. You've, you've been preaching to Lori and me during this broadcast. Praise God. Those three things, again, so that people write this down. What, yeah. what, what do you... Preach to yourselves. Look so in the can, mirror. Okay. I mean, I mean, since you don't have a preacher anymore, I mean, you do, but you have to look at him on the internet or something. But since you don't have a preacher, maybe it's time for you to become there you a go. preacher Come and on. preach to yourself and say these three things: Jesus is with me. Number two, God is at the bottom. Deuteronomy thirty-three. Underneath me. Hmm. Underneath me are the everlasting arms of God. And then lastly, I have faith for this. God's given to every man the measure of faith. What, what, what measure is that? And it just takes a little bit. You know, people put Simon Peter down because he started sinking. And Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith. To me, that's one of the greatest compliments, that he actually walked on the water with little faith. It doesn't take great faith. I don't have great faith. That's why I said that earlier about David. When he went and fought Goliath, I think he took five stones because he's scared he'd miss. But he had enough to go out there. <laughs> and sometimes God is, God is looking for people who are not super talented, gifted, picture perfect. 
but they're totally depending on God. Seal this uh, beautiful ministry time in the last one minute that we have. Just seal it in prayer, if you would, please. I want to bless your home. I want to speak Numbers chapter 6 over your family and over your home. Our friend Stephen Furtick and his team and Carrie Job wrote the most amazing song. But I called him the other day, and I know we're running out of time, and I'm I'm used to this. (laughs) I know how long a minute is. But I promise you, I told him I used to quote that verse over my children every day of their life as I would let them off for school, and I speak it over you and your family. And now may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face shine on you. May he be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. And may he give you peace and may he give you protection. And may he give you joy. May you be encouraged in the Lord today because he surely is with you. He's at the bottom. He'll never leave you. And you have faith for this. And you're going to recover it all and spoils besides. In Jesus' name. I believe that. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Pastor. We love you. Love you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.